Hi, Pastor Rob here, and uh, as promised with our Liquid series, uh, I'm gonna do some further teaching, or I guess I could say actually uh, some further explanation. Um, when I looked at it, a lot of people had some questions, and uh, although we're not gonna dissect a bunch of scriptures, uh, I'll reference a few of those, and I'd like to answer the questions that the teaching created, because when it comes to money, a lot of people are very sensitive about it, and, and as you're gonna see in some of these emails, people were sincerely saying, Whatever God wants me to do, I want to do it. I want to obey that. And so uh, I'm kind of excited to answer these things. And, and I hope you can see that uh, these are real emails. I, I won't show you who sent them and, and read their names or anything, but I'm reading actual real emails. None of these are prompted by the church. It was just uh, people from the church saying, hey, this is what my issue is. And so I want to dig right in. And uh, this is one that a lot of people uh, asked. They said, uh, how do I do this if it's gross or net tithe? And uh, I, I understand that question. We get asked that a lot. And uh, I want to let you know that uh, the way we look at it as a church, the way that I read it, the way that I understand it, uh, the Bible talks about bringing the first fruits. It talks about in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, bring the first fruits of all your wealth, okay? Here's the thing. It's the first bite. It's the first 10%. And uh, I know that the government takes the taxes out if you're not self-employed. I know that. People say, I didn't see state, I didn't see federal, I didn't see FICA. By the way, uh, the first time Connor and Logan had to pay their own uh, taxes, they're like, who is FICA? I don't like FICA. I don't want to pay FICA. And I was like, you don't have a choice. Uh, but you say, like, I didn't see that money. The, the government took it from me. I didn't even see it. Um, really, the, the amount that you were paid on your gross amount is what you were paid. The government said, here's how much we want. And uh, God was saying, will you give me the first bite? And so that first 10%, I believe, comes from the gross and not the net. And I know people are like, oh, that's a, a big bite. But really, it comes down to do we trust God do we want to honor him and say, you get the best? Because that's what the first fruits were. They were the best. It was the best. Could you imagine being a shepherd and the first lamb that's born and you've got to sacrifice and say, God, I believe there's more sheep where this one came from and I'm going to give you the first one. You're thinking, I got to build my business. I got to build the sheep business and I got to give him the first one to say that I trust him. Could you imagine harvesting, you know, fruits and vegetables and they, it's the first ones that are ripe and you got to give those to God and you're thinking, what about a hailstorm? What about uh, a fire? What about uh, pests and animals that could eat? I, I should eat some. And God's saying, do you trust me as your source or are you your source? So really, we give to God uh, the 10% off the, the first, the gross. And uh, one other thought about this, if the government took all the money for your house payment, and said, from now on, house payment will be another line in there, and we'll take that, and then we'll make your house payment for you. Would you say, well, that's money I don't see, you know, because the government took it. It wouldn't work that way, but because the government uh, takes it to do all those other things with taxes and Social Security, it, it really is something that we should say, God, I want to honor you by tithing off the gross. And I know people joke, they say, well, if you're in trouble, do you want gross help or net help? I want gross help. And uh, I just think God wants our heart to be right. Uh, next question. Uh, also, three people asked this one, and they said, um, how should you tithe when you're in debt? 
you know, I'm in debt. I'm going to get out of debt first, then I'll tithe. A lot of people, a lot of variants of that. They're saying, hey, I'll tithe after I get out of debt. And um, here's the thing that I believe about that and that you see from the scriptures. We need to honor God first. We're really returning the tithe to him and saying, it's yours. And so if you're holding on to something that belongs to him anyways, how can you think that you're going to do this successfully and get out of debt? Matter of fact, it's interesting. In Haggai 1 uh, verses 9 and 11, it says, uh, you look for much and I blow it away. You're looking for a blessing and I'm holding back the blessing. Why? Because you're not taking care of my house. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And these people are thinking like, I should be getting more return for my work and, and where's the money go at the end of the month? And God's like, I've cut holes in your purses. I'm, I'm not bringing the rain to you. I'm not bringing the blessing. I'm blowing away the things you have. Why? Because you're not honoring me. And we see that in Malachi chapter three, uh, verse nine. He's saying, you're under a curse because you're not doing this. So we're thinking we're doing it on our own. I'll get it right and then I'll, I'll start honoring you. And God's like, no, don't you understand? I bring my hand of blessing. I remove the bad things. I bring the rain. I get rid of the pests. I take care of you when you honor me. So that's the first thing. And I think it, it shows that we trust God, that he's our source. If we say, I'll get myself out of trouble, then I'll start to give to you. Um, it's saying, I'm the one that's gonna get me out of this mess. Okay, you got yourself in this mess. Why not get divine help to get out of the mess and say, God, I'm enlisting you and it's not me. I, I want to have you pour out your blessing on me and take this um, and take me to another level. Then I think you need to get everything else in order. Okay, so you're gonna honor God with your tithe and do that. You're gonna say, it's yours, I give it to you, God, and I'm gonna honor you. Now, will you put your hand of blessing on me? And I believe he does every time. Then what you need to do is say, God, the mess that I got in, how am I getting out of this? Give me wisdom. Do I need to cut expenses? Many times we need to cut recurring expenses. We're like, I'm in debt. I can't afford to tithe. And it's like, well, do you have cable? Well, yeah. Well, how much is it? Well, it's $120 a month. You mean I got to get rid of cable? Well, you couldn't afford to give to God what was his, but you're keeping cable. I'd rather not have cable and, and watch it on the internet because you, you have online, well, you have high-speed internet. What about, okay, anyways, you know, I'd rather be obedient with God and go to somebody else's house to watch the Super Bowl than be disobedient. And I'd rather get things in line. You say, well, does that mean I have to sell my Corvette? Oh, really? So now you got a Corvette, but you can't give to God. Okay, maybe you need to get rid of those things that have got you into trouble and be obedient and then get things in line. And uh, so I would say tithe right away, immediately, and get God's hand of blessing on it. Um, and then people said, well, if I'm in debt, should I give over and above to kingdom builders and things like that? I would say tithe and then get out of debt and then look at the ways that God can help you to give to kingdom builders and other areas over and above. And uh, we'll talk about that again because I think there's several more about that. Here's one, I mean, it's a really lengthy one and I won't show you all of it, but it's three pages and it's like size 10 font and uh, maybe eight, I can hardly read it. Uh, and I, I refuse to wear my reading glasses on camera. And uh, it, the person just said, okay, I'm, I'm tithing and I'm giving. They said, I'm giving and I do what I can, but I kind of think tithing is Old Testament. And then interesting, this person actually gave their budget. They said, here's my entire budget. Here's how much I make. 
here's how much where it all goes. And they laid it out for me, which is pretty interesting. Um, and the transparency of the church is what caused this person to want to do that. Um, well, here's the first thing. Um, this person's income, just to put it in perspective, uh, was in the top 1% of the entire world. 1% of the entire world, not the United States, 1% of the entire world. And when I checked it on Global Rich List, which is an interesting place to go, if you go to globalrichlist.com, you can enter your income in and find out where you stand according to the world, okay? This person stood in the top one-tenth of 1% 1 of the entire world. Okay, so just think about that. But in, in America, they're saying, ah, I can't afford it, I got a car, I got a house, I got this, I got this. And so I just want us to all realize we are so rich. We are so rich, and if we can't get this right, what hope is there for the richest nation on the, on the planet, really, when you come down to it, for us not to be right? If the, if the church in Cuba can tithe on 12 or $15 a month and beg for soap but still honor God and God takes care of them, I think we need to say, okay, let's, let's reevaluate our priorities. But uh, no condemnation. I love the honesty here. Um, here's the thing. The, the, the argument was, I think tithing is an Old Testament principle. I don't think as a New Testament believer, we're under that. And I can tell you this, we're not under it, we're over it. We are not under the law, we're higher than the law. We're better than the law. But I wanna point this out. Tithing happened before the law. Okay, so when Abraham has a divine God encounter, when he gets a God heart, when he understands that God's his source, he tithes. When Jacob is wrestling with God and God takes care of him, he has a divine God encounter, he has a God heart, he says, I'm gonna start tithing. I'm gonna start doing this, catch this. When you have the God encounter, God heart, when you realize that you're living for him, all of a sudden it, it, it appears that money just starts to funnel towards the things of God because that's where your heart is. Okay, then in the law, God gives all sorts of things in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all sorts of places where he's talking about tithe 10% of this and take care of this and take care of this. And don't forget, there were free will offerings on top of that. So it wasn't just tithing. Some years they gave 23% and it was required. And then on top of that, they'd give more and more and more. Why? Because they had a God encounter. They were living for God. And so the real issue is have a God encounter. Let's go above the law. Let's go beyond that. Let's do all that we can. And interesting, it is in the New Testament. It talks about people tithing. Jesus could have said, that's a stupid thing. But he says, okay, you're doing this. It's good that you're doing that, but don't forget the other important things that you should be doing. Love, mercy, grace. Don't forget those things too. And then Hebrews chapter seven, I don't have time to go into it, but it implies that when we give to God and we give to his church, when we give to support the work of the ministry, we're actually giving it to Jesus, just like Abraham gave to Melchizedek in the Old Testament. So you can see that uh, it's all throughout the Bible, before the law, um, in the law, after the law, Hebrews, early church fathers said, hey, we're not gonna do less than that. We're gonna be the most generous people because we've had a God encounter and we're gonna go way and way, way, way above it. Um, here's an interesting one. Um, 
Why do Pentecostal churches talk about finances so much more than mainline churches or evangelical churches? And I thought this was interesting. And uh, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, but I do think that according to mainline churches, we talk about money way more. Uh, most churches do receive an offering. Most churches talk about money in some way. And uh, my only experience with mainline churches uh, is what I hear through my friends uh, that are in mainline churches. And they said sometimes they get visits from the pastor, the priest, the bishop, whatever, that says, here's how much you will give. So giving is talked about, but maybe not from the pulpit, but there is a, a desire with those that are affluent saying, you will give this, you will help this, you will do this. And sometimes it even turns into strong arm tactics. Now, again, that's just what I hear from my friends that are in those churches. But I wanna let you know um, why our church talks about giving so much. And I think this is critical to hear. We believe um, that all men are lost and that if they hear the gospel, they can get uh, an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We believe in free will at our church, that it has not been predetermined who will be saved and who won't be saved. But we believe that Jesus says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved, that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved, that we have a free will. And I won't go into all that, but I believe in Romans, Paul is actually talking about Israel being predestined and not actually the individual believer. But we believe that people should hear and how can they hear unless someone shares the gospel and how can someone share unless they're sent? And so there's a desire within us to do something for God, to reach more people, to say we wanna reach lost people. They matter and we should weigh every expense in light of can we reach more lost people? We should increase our giving. And again, going above the Old Testament minimum and saying let's bring grace to these people and let's fuel the mission of grace. And so a Pentecostal charismatic church uh, would have a greater passion for that because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church is to be the plus to the purpose. The purpose is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The plus is the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit. And so Pentecostals and charismatics have that plus factor going on. So they're like turbocharged believers wanting to do the Great Commission even stronger and more effectively. And that's why you'll find that they're sending missions, missionaries more and they're giving more and they're talking about money more and they're trying to get fuel for the mission. All right, so I think that's in part why it happens. And I will say this interesting fact, um, Mormons are number one in giving. And, um, you know, Mormons, uh, they're out there doing their own thing. Pentecostal Charismatics, we're, we're number two. Those of us that believe in the gifts for today, we're number two in giving. And my prayer would be that we'd pass the Mormons. Uh, my prayer would be that we'd be more devoted than those people in the Mormon faith, that those that are Pentecostal Charismatics would say, we're gonna outgive because we have a better message. We have the message. It's not an additional message. We have the message. And uh, last thing I'll say about Pentecostals and Charismatics that's amazing, one in 12 people on the planet, not in the church, one in 12 people on the planet is a Pentecostal or charismatic. Think about that. Sometimes you think in the United States, like, oh, Assembly of God churches, charismatic churches, spirit-filled churches, we're kind of the minority. No, really think about that. In the church world, we are forced to be reckoned with. We're the fastest growing part of the church around the entire world. And one in 12 people uh, on the planet 
have experienced the spiritual gifts in operation in their life. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, I say, let's fuel the mission. Let's fuel, the, fuel those turbocharged Christians. Let's, let's get out there and reach everyone with the gospel so we can say, God, we try to reach as many people as possible. Um, here's another one. We owe tens of thousands of dollars on credit cards, school loans. We've been faithful in our tithing. Uh, we're trying to knock out debt, or should we give to Kingdom Builders? What should we do? Again, tithe, pay off the debt, do something to get some strategy for your finances, like Financial Peace University. If you didn't join a life group, by all means, join one. If there's not one starting now, call the church and beg us to start one because this is something you need to do to get out of debt. And then give over and above. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, if you can get rid of the debt, you can become the most generous giver. I will tell you this, the reason we started doing Financial Peace University uh, we had a family in the church, very average middle-class family, but whenever it came time for a special project, they always gave. They excelled in the area of giving. So one day I just said, you know, hey, uh, you guys are always generous. Every time we have something, like, you guys are giving and giving and giving. And they said, you know what? We did financial peace. We used to be in debt. We used to have the Corvette. We used to have this. We used to have a house we could afford. We used to have, you know, vacations we put on the credit card and did all this. Then we got convicted, joined financial peace, we paid off the debt, I sold the uh, Corvette, I, I bought a car that I could afford, I did this, and now when I go on vacation, it's debt-free, we save up for it. I pay cash for everything, and I have disposable income, so when you say that there's an opportunity to give, I've got three months savings in the bank, and I'm able to give when the Spirit moves on me, and I was, I was like, I want everybody in the church to do this. I mean, this wasn't a rich family, this family wasn't affluent, this is a very average middle-class family, one income, uh, and I just thought, if they can do this, I want in on this. I want to help get our people free from the, the credit cards and the debt and trying to keep up with the Joneses. Why not live within our means? And so, by all means, tithe, uh, get rid of the debt, and then as God enables you, give generously. Try to dream up ways to give and go for it. And I know we talk about Kingdom Builders a lot. But um, if you're in debt, get that debt paid off. And the one advice I'll give you is a snowball method. If you have five uh, credit cards or five debts, one is $50 a month, $100 a month, $200, $300, $400 a month, pay off the first one. You pay as much as you can towards that $50 one. And as soon as that one's paid off, pay as much as you can every month to the $100 one. Keep making the minimum payments on the other one, but pay that. When you get those two paid off, roll that money into the third one. Pay as much as you can on the third one. When you get that one paid off, pay as much as you can on the fourth one. You see what I'm saying? It's a snowball. Don't ease up. Keep adding that money to the next one and the next one and the next one, and you'll get everything paid off in no time, and uh, you'll be able to be a generous giver. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying this, um, having fun. As you can tell, I like helping people with their finances. I like this. I like to see God's uh, church being fueled, and I believe in this. I've tithed, we give, I love being generous. I love blowing my accountant's mind, and uh, I want you to do the same thing. Uh, here's one, good one. Can a person be a nice person, <laughs> yes, and buy nice things and not be materialistic? And they said, at what point does the desire for quality items become materialism? Let me answer that one first. Um, everyone's line is different. Okay, let's say person A pulls up in a luxury car and you don't have a luxury car. You're person B, you have a minivan. And so the person in the luxury car, you're like, oh, sinner driving that luxury car? I would never buy a luxury car. I have drawn the line at minivan. 
Well, what about person C that pulls in the parking lot and goes, look at that new minivan. That new minivan costs $27,000. I would never buy a new minivan. I only drive a moped because I love Jesus. And I only, you see the point, even in the winter, I put snow tires on my moped and I love Jesus. Person D says, I don't even own a car. Matter of fact, 90% of the world doesn't own a car at all. Anybody that owns a car of any sort must be sinning and truly couldn't be serving Jesus because they own a car while 90% of the world doesn't own a car. Do you see the thing? So every one of us has to wrestle with where's the line and how much is enough. We all have to. That's the beauty of it. God says, I've entrusted to one, five, three, one, all different amounts, and we all have to wrestle with it. Instead of judging the person with the luxury car or the van or the moped or no car, why not say, God, I'm judging me. I'm looking at me. Because on judgment day, I don't get to stand next to them. You're not grading on a curve. Everybody gives account for themselves. And so let's live in the tension. And I kind of talked about this in, in part three of the series um, because I'm living in that tension when I'm blessed and I'm able to buy things and I don't want to send the wrong message. So we're living in that. And... Um, Here's the thing about buying nice things and not being materialistic. I had a very affluent person say to me, who's more out of order, me buying my $100,000 car or somebody in the church buying a $40,000 car? And I said, I don't know what you're getting at. They said, okay, if I make a million dollars a year and I'm spending 10% of my income on a luxury car, why is that out of order? when somebody that makes $60,000 a year buys a $40,000 car and they essentially use 66% of their income to buy their car, aren't they way more materialistic than me? I was like, wow, I never thought of that, percentages versus dollars. Okay, I don't know where you stand on that, but I'm just gonna tell you, it's interesting. Let's just judge ourselves and let's look at our own lives. Um, here's the interesting thing that I wanna get to where I believe God would talk to all of us. In the Bible, you'll see that God called some people to leave everything and follow him. Catch this, he didn't say, sell everything and follow me. To the rich guy, he said, sell everything and follow me because that was his idol. To the disciples, he said, leave everything and follow me. Now, interesting, later on in the gospels, you'll see Jesus say to John, John, take care of my mom. And it says, John brought her to his house. So John, in being a disciple of Jesus, didn't sell his house. He still had a house, okay? We see other disciples had boats. They had boats. They left the business. Somebody was running the business, but they still had boats. They, Peter, it talks about going to his mother-in-law's house. Matter of fact, I've been to Capernaum. I've seen what is believed to be Peter's home, okay? So they had homes. They had boats. They had places to take care of people, but they left the marketplace to follow Jesus, but they still had things. Other people, interestingly, were called to follow him and they were very affluent. Levi was called, he was a tax collector. And Jesus says, follow me. Then later on it says, Levi's having a party at his house with all the townspeople that are there. Okay, if you're having a party with all the townspeople, you have a big house. And Jesus didn't condemn Levi like, Levi, come on. How many square meters? See, they did meters in Israel, not feet. How many square meters does a man need? I mean, come on. I mean, an apartment is plenty good. Okay, he didn't condemn Levi. He went to the house and had a party and tried to win Levi's friends. 
So I'm just saying, he, he asked all of us to follow him and he asked some to leave the marketplace. He asked others to stay in it. And those that stay in the marketplace will live in that tension of how much is enough and how good can I buy or whatever. And that's between them and God. And they need to tithe and then go and look for ways to be generous. And the biggest thing that I would say is don't buy anything that would hinder the work of God. Don't buy anything that would hinder the work. You know, if you can't give generously when the Holy Spirit prompts you, then you probably bought too much stuff. If you can't give generously when the Lord uh, asks you to give something away, you know, like if you have a purse and God can't say give that purse to that person, then that purse can become an idol in your life. If you have something that controls you and you're like, it's my identity, I could never part with it, then you have issues. But I still think we can have nice things and we keep giving and giving and giving. And I would say, facilitate the work of God, don't hinder it. Um, this is going longer than I thought, but I hope you're enjoying this. You, you can turn off the video if you don't want to watch it anymore. Uh, but I'm going to keep answer, answering questions. Um, this one said, uh, you taught Connor and Logan early to put the check in the envelope and make sure that they saw real money going in the giving instead of doing online giving. Okay, I'm not sure I quite said it that way. I think I said that I wanted to show them the reality of our giving, so I showed them a check, okay? I think you could show them a computer screen and say, here's how much we give to the church, here's how much it means to us, and that's a real dollar amount, and let them see that. Or maybe you let them see a Kingdom Builders check, or maybe you write a check once instead of doing it online, however you wanna do it. The principle I was getting at was to show and train your children to show that God is important to you, that giving to the church is important to you, and that you can show them something tangible. We are all for online giving. Can I just say that? We're one of the churches that leads the way in online giving. And here's my promise to you. When 80% of our budget comes in online, uh, I will cancel services more often when there's snowstorms. So if you give more online and it's bad weather, we'll just do live stream for everybody or cancel the service. But anyways, we, we have a fair amount that comes in online, all kidding aside. Um, and, and even if it snowed, I would never want to miss a tithe. I'm just, it didn't matter if it snowed or rained or tornado or whatever. I'm still bringing the tithe check. It was the first check we wrote out. It's still going in, but um, back to online. We believe in online giving. We're willing to pay the fees that it takes to do that. And if you want to do that, you can go to the website at rivervalley.org uh, and go to the giving tab. Click on that and you can set up your own online giving account and be able to do that. It's safe. It's secure. We love doing that. It's a, a great way for you to stay faithful and unobedient. You can give via credit card and uh, we do have a processing fee, but that's kind of the price of doing business, of handling money today. We're okay with that. If you wanna know how we could save the most amount of money, if you do ACH giving or auto check, excuse me, if you do auto check uh, and do ACH giving, the fee is way less and the church gets more of the money. Uh, that's between you and God. If you wanna do credit card, ACH, we're okay with paying the cost of doing business in today's day and age of the way money moves like that but a lot of people ask. And so if you're wondering what's the best way to do it for the church, uh, ACH uh, auto giving with a check is actually the way that the church reaps the greatest amount. Uh, here's one that says, does it have to be exactly 10%? And uh, they said, I get paid different amounts. Uh, you know what? Give what you believe is 10%, reconcile quarterly if you want. And if you're too low, make up for it. If you're too high, either turn it into King and Billers or adjust for the next month. Um, the part is, 
really be a generous giver, have a heart to give, love God, want to give. Um, you know, Becca told me our percentage the other day. She's like, this is the percentage we're given of yours. This is the percentage of mine. This is the percentage we give from any other money that we get. And, and it was different for each one, and I was excited about it. But the part was we're trying to go above and do more and do all we can. And uh, God loves a cheerful giver. So just cheerfully give and be obedient. But I love the heart behind that. They're like, I want to do that. Um, this is a really good one. Um, never been asked this before, but I thought, bless this person's heart. It was so good. They said, do I have to tithe on what I have every week in the bank? They said, like, if I get paid $400 and I tithe on that, and then at the end of the week, I have $300 in the bank, do I have to tithe the next Sunday on the 300? And I thought, that's a good question, but here's the way. When you get your paycheck, when you get paid, you tithe on it one time, one time. So you get paid $400, you tithe $40. Now, if you want to give over and above, that's up to you and you and God and hearing his voice and the whisper, okay? But you do it once. You put the rest of the money in the bank, $360, okay? If you're frugal and you can wind up with $300 at the end of next week, you've already tithed on that money. You've already tithed. You don't need to tithe again. So if you're like, man, I better spend it before I get back to church or I'm going to have to keep tithing off all this. No, one time on the check, first time you get it, Go ahead and tithe, and uh, you don't have to keep retithing and retithing. And as a side note, I'm glad that it's 10% tithe, not 13%. Could you imagine 400? Okay, doing the math, and I'm 13%, and how do I do it? Instantly, it's $52 because I did the math before. All right, last question uh, on this, and I hope you've been enjoying it. And I like to have fun with this, and I know some of you probably are sweating it out about giving right now and tithing. Honor God, honor God, trust God. You can trust him, you can trust him, you can trust him. It's not me you're trusting, it's God you're trusting. And uh, you know, we give the annual report to show how much came in and where it went. We're good stewards with it, we're reaching people, we're giving to missions, we're leading the way. But uh, you know, just trust God, trust God, trust God. Here's the last one, it kind of deals with that. Um, tithing has been a source uh, of pain in our marriage. It's been a very big sore spot, this person, right? Ever since we were married, you know? Um, my husband sees the numbers, and can I just stop? It's almost always the husband who doesn't want to tithe and the wife who does. Um, guys, that's something. You're the, the breadwinner. You want to be the priest, the provider, the protector of the home. But you got to realize it's not you. You're not the source. God's given you gifts, but God is the source of your gifts. Let go. Let go. Just be obedient and trust God. And the person writes, they said, he sees the numbers and doesn't see how it could work. A lot of people think that. And then they said, when I see the numbers, I see opportunity. I see the opportunity for God to do the miraculous. It's interesting how God puts people together that are totally opposite. And in this case, in this marriage, it's just like that. Um, I get asked this a lot. It's one of the biggest questions I get asked. Gross versus net is probably top three. Uh, being out of debt before we tithe is another one. And then this one, what do we do if we just don't agree? Um, I've had spouses, the wife come up and say, I'm gonna sneak the tithe. Don't do that. Do not do anything that would hinder your spouse coming to faith or trusting God or believing in the cause and mission and vision of this church. Do not sneak the tithe. Hear me out, do not do that, okay? With that being said, here's what I would love for you to be able to ask. Ask your husband, and I'm just gonna assume it's the husband, could we test God for 90 days? 
Could we be diligent to tithe for 90 days and see what God does? We won't starve to death in 90 days, but can we just take a step of faith for 90 days and see if we can trust God? And if at the end of 90 days we're starving, we can't pay the bills, it doesn't work out, I'll give up asking you to do this, but can we trust God for 90 days? I think there could be a real breakthrough there. I think if they say, no, absolutely not, we can't do that, I think you should just say, uh, I wanna hear other people's faith stories. Is it okay if I find other people that have been tithing and we talk to them about it and it can build our faith so maybe we could tithe? That'd be another thing you could do. And the last thing you could just say is to your husband, hey, can we at least give offerings? You know, can we at least give offerings? Lots of Americans give to Cub Scouts and United Way and different things. Can we at least be generous towards the things of God in the area of offering? If, if, if you don't wanna tithe and do 10%, can we do something and, and make a step towards God? Um, if you're dual income, you could ask to tithe on your income and be in agreement to say, hey, on the income I make, I would like to honor God with this and do that. And if you're in agreement with that, go for it and do it. And uh, it, it's something, I know it's sensitive, and, and I just, we don't wanna hurt your marriage. We don't wanna uh, cause that to bring friction. So be in obedience, be in agreement on this, and, and try to get to the point of trusting God. I think that 90-day challenge would be amazing to say, let's see if we can trust God together. So uh, I, I know that there's a lot of questions and maybe you have more, and uh, this is a really good start. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've grabbed hold of some things. Maybe you're thinking, oh, so-and-so needs to watch this. Um, before you tell somebody else to watch this, agree to apply what you heard. <laughs> so agree to apply what you heard and then pass it on to somebody else and say, okay, uh, this could be good for you. And uh, I'd love to close right now and, and just pray a blessing on your finances. Um, I think we're blessed to be a blessing, I really do. Um, I think there are people that say, name it, claim it, live rich, it's all about you getting what you want. I think there's other people in poverty mentality, there's not enough, and I think there's a, a struggle in the middle. I think we're blessed to be a blessing, and if God has blessed you financially, I think that he's done it so you can help fuel his cause. Look for ways to do it. It's not just kingdom builders here. Although we, we vet those ministries, we pray over them, we partner with them, it's a great place to give. But I think you could give everywhere and just follow what God whispers to you. But whether you've not tithed, whether you've just started or you're giving over and above, I wanna pray a blessing on you. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would um, bless everyone that is watching this and listening to this. Uh, even now, as, as they're just, some are struggling, Help them to step out in faith and believe you, God. They can trust you. For others, they're, they're, they've stepped out and they're doing it now and they're wondering, are you gonna come through? You will come through, your word is true. Lord, for those that are out of whack financially and they have a messed up budget and they've got themselves into a huge mess, I pray they'd ask for your help. They'd join financial peace. They'd trust you with the tithe. They'd get out of debt so they could be generous givers and, and be able to buy the things that uh, they wanna do for their family and for their life. And for those that are blessed, I, I think about those of us that are in the 1% of the world. The 1% of the world, instead of keeping up with the Joneses, why can't we keep up with what the Spirit of God is doing around this world? There's millions and millions and billions of people that need to know Jesus. 
why can't we take what we have and be blessed to be a blessing? So God, I pray for that. I do pray uh, specifically that Kingdom Builders would reach its goal this year and you'd speak to people's hearts right now and that year after year after year, we'd raise even more to advance the kingdom of God. Thank you for a position of strength and may our personal finances be in a position of strength. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Blessings on you and uh, maybe we'll do some of these in the future because I had a lot of fun. God bless.